idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. And my name is Tony, and I live in the northwest of England. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences, and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you. The idea of the podcast is that we each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest, episode 11, recorded on Thursday, the 12th of March, 2020, special COVID-19 edition. Neither of us have it, and we couldn't possibly gather enough people to listen to us to be a danger. For this show, Tony is reviewing Alt-Linux 9.0, RPM-based and originally developed as a Russian version of Mandrake. And I've got Ubuntu Budgie 19.10. Expect to see visions of brown and orange in your heads as we record this show. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Suzy, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo-based distros. <laughs> Monthly foibles wherein we discuss what did and didn't work for us this month. I installed OpenMandriva 4.1 on my Kudu along with Farron OS and Ubuntu Budgie 19.10 and MX19.1 on my Galago Pro to join the myriad of co-residents on that machine. I was pleased by the work MX did on their grub menu. It isn't, quote, beautiful, end quote, but it is well thought out and easy to read. As I had extra time this episode, I then attempted to replace MX19.1 with Solus 4.1, but could not get past the partition screen. So I added OpenMandriva 4.1 and Zorin OS Ultimate 15.2, the Zorin Grub menu is also clear and easy to read, another one in dark mode. Then I tried to update Ubuntu Budgie to 20.04 early and found the Grub menu totally raw and had other very minor issues. And because we had an extra week, I then replaced Ubuntu Budgie 20.04 with Endeavor OS and did updates, then replaced Zorin OS Ultimate with Zorin OS Lite and got my Grub menu back only to discover that Endeavor OS no longer boots. I've been given some ideas to try from members of our Telegram group, but have not had time to try them yet. Further, I've reworked my USB box and have reprinted the list of what I have featured and now have endless OS featured on a 16GB stick. Not that I'm ready to sacrifice an entire hard disk to it, unless that's what I want to look at next month. I got gifted a new Wavelink 2-port external hard drive toaster with additional USB and SD card slots and an Anchor 9-port USB data hub by listener Dale Miracle. Thanks, Dale. All my USB ports internal and external are now USB 3, and I hope that eliminates some issues I've been having. Also, listener George from Tulsa sent me a $50 Amazon grocery gift card. Thank you! Tony, you were all set to review Ubuntu Studio last month, and I thought you were going to move it to this month. You changed your mind? 
Yeah, last time I changed to peppermint for the reasons we talked about on the show. I thought as we would be coming up to the 2004 long-term support release soon, I would give Ubuntu Studio a spin when it gets uh, its update to 2004 sometime this year. So I went hunting for something a little out of my comfort zone and found Alt Linux, so more of that later. As things have turned out this month, uh, it's been a bit of a strange one, and I, I was away for two weeks of it, and also I've been in a lot of pain with tooth problems resulting with a root canal treatment last week. I've also had a friend pass away at the beginning of the month, so Linux has not exactly been the top of my agenda this last month. I would also be away for much of the next four weeks, so depending on things, I'm not fully able to control. I may not be able to record the next episode until the third week in April, so uh, our next episode could be a bit uh, delayed again. (laughs) We'll work it out. Yeah, we'll work it out. I'll probably be messing with my machine until it stops working or something like that. I've still not picked a distro for next next challenge. <laughs> well, um, we'll get to that when we get down into the feedback. Yeah. Okay. So on to updates. Updates. Open Mandriva LX4 has an update to 4.1, as I may have already mentioned. I have it on both my machines right now, and it's as beautiful as ever, but I still don't know what I'm doing with DNF Dragora. Tony, you? Uh, Well, as I said earlier, this month's been uh, a pretty uh, funny month, so I haven't particularly been uh, scanning my uh, previous reviews and looking to see if there's any updates, so I haven't got anything this month. All right, then on to this month's first distro, Alt Linux 9 Laertes. Yeah, as uh, Moss said, this is originally a fork, a Russian fork from Mandrake, uh, but it's now a totally independent Russian distribution. So I installed it on my now test machine, which is the Dell E7440, which I'll put the specs again in the uh, show notes. Enough to say that it's a Core i7 4th gen. I've got 16 gig of RAM and uh, 128 gig uh, SSD in it. So the installation was actually quite a smooth process. No drama. Uh, I was doing a Newton boot. So, uh, completely wiping out the previous OS and installing Alt Linux. The installer's actually fairly intuitive. I didn't recognise it as one that I know, and I couldn't find... I did do a quick search to see if I could find the name of it, but I couldn't. But uh, I might be wrong, it might be a common one, but it was a, It was quite a nice installer. It went through the usual uh, setting up of your language, keyboard, although I did notice the keyboard options for English were only US. I had to go in afterwards and change that to a UK, UK keyboard once I'd got the system up and running. Again, like I say, I didn't uh, try a dual boot, so I can't comment on how well that might have gone, but uh, maybe someone else uh, has got some experience of doing that. Also, during the uh, install, you get the option to uh, install or delete, either not install, some of the uh, packages that uh, it's going to install on the system. So I chose the uh, 
go for everything option which uh, included a lot of software that you wouldn't normally get some of which is a bit strange but uh, others is uh, quite you know uh, quite common software that a lot of people use Uh, but I thought the choices were a bit uh, weird at times so if you don't use LibreOffice you can untick that or you can uh, I I didn't notice another office system but uh, you can install different office suites afterwards so I went and checked the every, uh, ticked the everything option and this gives you a, an install of around 15.5 gig after you've rebooted, which a normal Mint install would be about 8 gig. So, But you also get things like FreeCAD, uh, a Gantt project management program, Darktable, which wouldn't normally be installed. But funnily enough, no video editing software, uh, although in, uh, Audacity was installed out of the box, which it isn't in Mint. So anyway, I did the install, which took about uh, 10 minutes and uh, moved on to having a look, see what was working. So post-installation hardware facts and issues. So like I say, after the um, install finished, which only took about 10 minutes on the hardware I've got, uh, you're prompted to reboot into the installation. On rebooting the system, I got presented with a uh, Mate desktop environment. I uh, I hadn't specifically gone looking for the uh, Mate uh, or Marte desktop ISO. I'd just downloaded the one that I'd found and that happened to be the Marte one. There are other um, desktop environments uh, available, Cinnamon, XFCE and KDE Fiverr, uh, three, the three main ones along with Mate. But um, there are a few other less common ones that you might want to consider. So uh, go go searching on the wiki if you don't want to uh, install one of the more common desktop environments. One thing that I've noticed as far as hardware goes, when you boot the system, unless you're interacting with the keyboard or mouse in some way, mainly with the trackpad on a laptop, it just hangs. It'll go through the um, boot process. You'll get the track bar, which indicates it's booting up. And then you get a blank screen. And if you don't touch anything, it remains blank until you wiggle the mouse or uh, put your finger on the trackpad. And uh, and then it boots into the desktop, which is really weird. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. I think Leo on... Uh, Sunday night when we were recording Minkcast suggested it might be a security feature, but I'm not sure. (laughs) But otherwise, all the hardware works and I was able to connect to my Wi-Fi and access the internet to complete the required updates that you're prompted to download once you've got an internet connection. Ease of use. Well, this is an RPM-based distro, so at first thought, you you may think if you're a deb-based system user, you may have to uh, learn a whole new set of commands to use the terminal. Wrong. Alt uses the app package management system. Uh, So many of the commands that you're used to on Debian and other systems based, uh, based on it, such as Mint and Ubuntu, will work here. Although you do have to use the apt get command as just using app didn't work, uh, but that's not a major issue. It just uh, I'm just my muscle memory has gradually gone over to using apt, so I had to go back to using app get, but uh, that wasn't a major issue. All the other commands work. 
Although I did notice that if you're using the terminal, not one of the uh, options for using the software center or synaptic, you do have to switch user. There isn't a, uh, it isn't set up to use sudo uh, by default, and because there isn't, I couldn't find um, a users uh, panel to change user permissions and stuff uh, for users and groups. I wasn't able to uh, set up the current the main user as uh, a sudoer so but dropping into um the uh, root account isn't that hard you just do switch user put in the password for root and which you're prompted to set up at uh, the start of the install and you can you can go away and do and do anything you need to in the terminal like I say, software-wise, if you do want to install software, there's a software center and you can use Synaptic. So that's not a major issue either. So yeah, it was fairly fairly decent and intuitive to use. Yeah. Application issues. The main thing for me was uh, uh, that uh, I couldn't get uh, TLP installed. I, t I went into the terminal dropped into the root um, terminal and typed in um, at get install TLP and it's not in the repos and uh, so it's probably one of those ones that you're going to have to build yourself if you want to do it down the uh, download the uh, Tazar file and go and build it but I didn't get around to doing that I tend to go out and get the Slimbook uh, Slimbook battery app Right, I might have a look at that, but uh, again, there's no guarantee because TLP is quite a common battery application, and I would have thought it'd have been there, but it wasn't. So it just depends whether the Slimbook app uh, application is available on this particular distro. I have found it not in the distros in a number of uh, in, in not in the repos in a number of distros I've tried lately. So I just go get mm. Slimbook battery. It's a little bit better anyhow. It's based on TLP. Yeah, well, I haven't wiped the laptop yet, so I might just uh, try that just before I nuke it and update you next month. Uh, it is also possible to use Flatpaks. I installed Flatpak on it, and I thought I'd installed um, as a test Spotify, and it seemed to install and everything. But when I click on the Spotify icon, it doesn't want to doesn't want to start. But that might be a Spotify issue uh, rather than a Flatpak issue. Flatpak seemed to work. There is no SnapD application in the repo, so you can't install Snaps. And that might be, I'm not sure whether this is a SystemD compatible system. Uh, and that might be the reason that uh, SnapD doesn't, uh, isn't available, because it's not SystemD. Again, I didn't do any further research to find out. So memory use. Total memory hog, not. <laughs> At first boot, uh, the system usage in NeoFetch, which I'd installed, shows around 500 to 510 megabytes of RAM. Wow, that's light even for Mate. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I was expecting around six, 700, but yeah. 500 is uh, brilliant and that and that's consistent i kept rebooting the system and testing it and that is a consistent 500 meg you know give or take you know five or ten uh, megabytes either way 500 meg is about the uh, what you get when you first start the boot the uh, system up although uh, as soon as you start 
using the system i open firefox with a couple of tabs running and it runs at about 1.5 1.6 gig uh, gig which is probably you know similar to a lot of other systems but even though it, at first look it may appear to be quite a light system if you're low on ram you might you, you know um you've got to be aware that you may not be able to run too many programs on top of each other although like i say i opened three or four uh, tabs and i think i got up to about 1.8 gig with four tabs open so uh, yeah i was quite impressed with the ram usage so ease of finding help i didn't have an awful lot of time to go searching the internet i did find the the old linux wiki i find it very very clunky and finding information on their wiki is a little bit difficult I could have probably uh, found a Telegram or an uh, IRC channel or something like you know like that, but I didn't have time to go hunting for more. But uh, yeah, uh, on first thoughts, the usually main call is to go to the the web page for the uh, distro, and you usually find a link to some kind of forum or something like that. Couldn't find anything. Plays nice with others. Uh, as I said previously, I didn't test this as an option, so I can't really report on that. Stability. Uh, during my use of Alt Linux, it's been very stable. I've had no issues with crashes or freezes, and all the updates have worked well with no issues following any of them. So it all seems a, it seems a quite stable system. Obviously, four weeks or so is uh, using a system will not test all situations, but so far so good. So coming to my ratings, ease of installation, I think it's a fairly new user-friendly system. So I've given it 9 out of 10 for both uh, new user and uh, experienced users. I particularly liked the option to either not install or install extra software. That was quite nice. Hardware issues, I've given it 7 out of 10, and that's mainly due to the uh, the free, uh, the hang when you boot up initially. Uh, not a major issue, but uh, I don't know whether it was a hardware or whether it was a software issue, but uh, that's what happened on my particular machine. Ease of finding help, uh, I've put, I don't know whether to put not applicable or to give it a 6, 7 out of 10 because I think I'll give it a 7 out of 10 because like I say, the wiki wasn't particularly helpful but there was a few things um, available so I'll give it six, 7 out of 10. Ease of use, 8 out of 10. The only reason I'm, I'm giving it uh, not 9 out of 10 is because because you've got to relearn using that to get in the terminal but everything else works brilliantly uh, I didn't find any issues with using the system over the four or five weeks I was using it plays with nice with others not applicable stability 9 out of 10 yeah it was working no problems so I've given it an overall rating of 8 out of 10 when it comes to similar distributions to check out I can't particularly think of any. I know there is at least one out there that use uh, that's an RPM based distro, and I'm pretty sure I've I've uh, checked it out before. Uh, that uses the apt package management system. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I've reviewed it earlier where, uh, in the early days of doing the show, but I never got round to going back and checking. So I'm trying to think of something that meets the bill. Have you got any suggestions, Moss? Well, we know this is independent, but it was originally based on Mandrake, and I would look at other Russian-based distros such as Rosa. 
I, I, I'm like you. I remember something coming out that had a DNF to apt uh, plug-in. Instead of going fully over to apt, it just translated the DNF commands to apt. But I can't remember uh, which one that is. So Yes, it's starting to ring bells, but I can't remember either. <laughs> So, final comments. I know I didn't do this uh, this month's distro full justice with the full test it deserves, but uh, from what I did do, I feel that, uh, this is a system worthy of further investigation. The one concern that some will have is a uh, Russian-based uh, development team, but as all the software is GPL compliant and open to examination by the community, and it's been going since the early uh, 2020. Uh, 20- Hundreds. I'm sure if there were anything nefarious going on after all this time that the OS has been in development, someone would have noticed. Personally, if it wasn't for the fact that one or two utilities that I use were not available to be installed, I might consider this as a possible daily driver, despite the glitch with the boot process. So, unless we've got anything else to say about Alt Linux, it's over to you for your distro this month, Moss. Okay, so this month I'm doing Ubuntu Budgie 19.10. I did look at the 2004, but I tend not to rate betas. Opening disclaimer, while this is not my favorite distro, I did spend a few weeks trying to find time to help on their project, although I exited the project for lack of time. I don't think any of this has colored my review, and I'm sure you'll find it consistent with my other reviews. I run my test distros on a System76 Kudu 3 with 16 gigs of RAM, a 256 gig SSD, and an i7 and Intel graphics chipset. Installation. I've often used Ubuntu Budgie as a grub fixer distro. It installs quickly and easily with a minimum of extra stuff, so when my grub gets messed up, I can have my machine up and running in no time. Grub Customizer is in the repo, allowing me to set the boot order easily. All this is to say that I have installed Ubuntu Budgie on several occasions, and it always goes just as expected. It is Ubiquity Installer, but if you've installed anything Ubuntu, you're used to Ubiquity by now. It's not my absolute favorite. I hope they get the grub menu in 20.04 to look as good as 19.10, but so far that is not the case. Post-installation hardware issues. The main thing to think about following installation is what Budgie gives you and what it does not. You have a neat dock, a top taskbar, and the taskbar includes caffeine, which shuts the screensaver or locker off for as long as you want it to. You can even set a timer on that if you like. If you want something in the dock which is not currently there, you drag it down to the menu. If you want to remove something, you drag it off the dock. Easy as pie to five places. I did try using Ubuntu Budgie for a recent show of Mintcast and did have some issues with Mumble, but my recording was fine and the show turned out good. I have not gone to the trouble of finding out what was causing the problem. It was acting like I was out of memory or CPU. Restarting Mumble worked to fix the issue, although I had to restart it twice during three hours of recording. Ease of use. Budgie is different from most desktops, but the simplicity of it makes it easy to figure out. While I would not recommend this as a first distro coming from Windows, it would be very near the top of my list for someone who has gotten comfortable with another Windows like Linux who might want to see what all the talk is about regarding alternate desktops. There are a few things in Budgie which might be perceived as paper cuts in other distros, but once you get used to them, you see the logic behind it. The desktop was designed by Ike Doherty and was literally the first part of Solus OS. 
The terminal is called Tylex, and it's a very useful little terminal with some features that are quite special. The original dev called an end to the project a few months ago, but I understand that some new devs have picked it up, and Canonical now hosts the repos for it. On another note, I've mentioned before that I only play a few of the really simple games, like K-Mines, K-Mahjong, etc. For some reason, it takes between one and two minutes for this system to load KDE games, and it's not really clear that they're loading while it's taking this time, so you frequently load two or three copies of it saying, what the heck is going on here? It does get there, and it does perform well enough after loading, but the wait time is noticeable. Memory use with Firefox closed. Stacer shows 892 megabytes RAM in use, 11.4 total disk space used. I've seen it as low as 805 megabytes RAM. With Firefox open and three tabs, it's bouncing between 1.9 and 2 gigs of RAM. All in all, that's pretty light, although not quite into the realm of other light DEs such as Moksha, XFCE, KDE, or LXQT. Considering the fact that Budgie uses quite a bit of the GNOME 3 stack, they certainly have pared memory usage down from what it could be. That actually makes um, Alt Linux look quite uh, good then. Oh, yeah. When I, had, when I had three or four tabs open in Firefox, it was only reporting about 1.7, 1.8 gig. So, uh, yeah, that's quite good. Ease of finding help. It's Ubuntu. Every single aspect of this distro has tons of user support and forum support and YouTube videos. The desktop itself is helped by having lots of Solus users out there. You should have no trouble getting help on anything which may bother you, and you should also not have much reason to be looking for help. Plays nice with others. As stated, I use this distro to fix previous grub disasters. This distro is a major tool in my box. Stability. As you've heard us say many times on this show, if it's Ubuntu, it's stable. The team works very hard to keep it that way. Similar distros to check out, Solus OS, other Buntus, and Manjaro has a budgie version out there you might want to get a, get a look at. Ratings. Ease of installation for a new user, it's 8 out of 10. Experienced user, 9 out of 10. Again, the more you use Ubiquity, the more you know what to do with it. Hardware issues, 10 out of 10. Ease of finding help in the community and the web, 10 out of 10. Ease of use, 9 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 10 out of 10. And stability, 10 out of 10. Overall rating, 9 out of 10. Final comments. This is a fun distro. It is not my main driver, but I nearly always have it on at least one machine. When Linux Mint gives me issues, which it has once or twice, I tend to go here next. New releases this month from our February 5th show to present. Actually, I didn't look this morning, but I did look last night. EXE 2020-03-11, Sparky Linux 4.12, Manjaro 19.0.2, Endless 3.7.8, Libre Elec 9.2.1, Dragonfly 5.6.3, Zevnet 5.10.1-1, Ultimate 6.6 Lite, Clonezilla 2.6.5-21, 4M Linux 32.0, Nomad BSD 1.3.1, Fury BSD 12.1, Sparky Linux 2020.03, Oberun 2020.03.01, KDE Neon 2020.03.05, Zorin 15.2, Ostrumi 4.1.7, Partus 19.2, Kali 2020.1a, Volumio 2.714, Dragonfly 5.8.0, 
Netrunner 20.01 Core, Container 2435.3.0, Porteous Kiosk 5.0.0, Arch 2020.03.01, Ghost BSD 20.02, System Rescue CD 6.0.7, Nitrux 2020.02.28, KOS 2020.02, RDS 13.2, KDE Neon 2020-0227, Hunix 15.0.0.8.9, let's get a lot of points in there, Makulu Linux 2020 Lindas, Absolute 2020-0223, Open Media Vault 5.3.4, IP Fire 2.25-Core141, Netrunner 20.01, Live Rizo 11.20.02.23, PC Linux OS 2020.02, Easy OS 2.2.11, MX Linux 19.1, NetBSD 9.0, Project Trident 20.02, Ubuntu 18.04.4, Tails 4.3, Sparky Linux 2020.02, Tiny Core Linux 11.0, Raspbian 2020-02-05, and Elementary OS 5.1.2. Boy, we had a lot this month. Of course, it was a long month, too. Yeah, it looks like the uh, holiday season is uh, well and truly over. (laughs) Well, plus we are a week or two late on the show. (laughs) We are as well. Feedback. Tony, you want to take the first one? Yeah, I'll take this one. Okay, Tim... uh, Kiernan I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly uh, Tim Hi guys, I wanted to thank you for the Distro Helpers Digest podcast As a person interested in Linux for the past 10 years I thought it was a great idea that it wasn't polished enough to make me switch In 2019 when I tried it again, it was I'm still deciding which distribution to make my daily driver as I leave Apple and their ever crappy hardware and OS behind forever. Uh, And your show is very helpful for that decision. I'm also buying a new laptop at some point this year and wanted to ask Moss how he likes his System76 models. I like it when you talk about the hardware you use to test the uh, things on because, as you know, Linux compatibility is not usually promoted from Apple or Windows machine makers. Best regards, Tim. So, Moss, do you want to read your reply? Sure. I said, we're glad you're enjoying the show. I'm sure you know by now that we're both in agreement with you. A few years back, Linux wasn't ready for desktop use, and now it is. We hope we can show you a few distros to try. As for System76, I think they're great machines, maybe a bit pricey unless you're going to use them for gaming. I like the Kudu 3 more than the Galago Pro 2, but some of that is form factor, and some of that is due to the fact that the Galago Pro took quite a bit more of a beating before it found its way to me. It also depends on how large a machine you like. 14 inches is too small for me, 17 inches is perfect. A lot of people look at the old T-series of ThinkPads and find them to be quite usable. I I hear the T450s, they don't like the chiclet keyboard. I loved my T430. My wife is still using hers. 
Yeah, and if you want the smaller form factor, the X200 series, so that went up to, I think, uh, uh, 250 or something. Uh, But they're great little 12-inch laptops as well that run Linux uh, out of the box. Okay, and then Kogoman writes in, I know that this one is asking a lot of y'all, but I would like y'all to test out Mandrake 7.0 or Mandrake 8.0. If I remember correctly, I was running a 133 MHz Pentium semi-compatible processor when I first tried Mandrake 7.0, and it had an office suite available and seemed to run pretty snappy on a low clock rate machine. You may have to hunt down real old hardware, borrow perhaps, to find something the drivers can handle. When you do, I think it will be snappier than even a light modern distro on an Atom multi-core system. Back in the day, you had to write most things in compiled C for it to fit in the 128 megs of RAM space you had. Along with the small compiled footprint came greater optimization than something running in a Python interpreter. I seem to remember a table showing that nowadays Python runs more than half the software we use. I will understand if this one is too hard to accomplish. And I responded, I know I'd have to go a long way to get all that stuff. Even so, I wonder what it would accomplish, as today nobody would want to run out and buy 32-bit hardware just to follow our example and use 32-bit software. It would be fun to revisit that, which is where I started in Linux with Mandrake 7 or 8. Tony, do you have any of this old hardware sitting around? Uh, I don't. Most of my stuff now is 64-bit. I don't have any really old laptops or uh, and definitely no desktop machines that would fit the bill so uh, it's probably a no-no for us and like you say Moss we're we're more into trying to test current software so that uh, the users out there that may want to try Linux can uh, have something to a benchmark to decide whether they want to run something modern on a modern day system Right, it would be fun, but there wouldn't be much point to it. Yeah. In announcements, my work here at Mint and at Mintcast can be supported by joining my sponsors or by direct donations through sponsors or PayPal. I'm very grateful for all donations which have been or will be received. Please tell me if you'd like your name used on the show however you choose to donate. Our next show will be recorded on or about April 15th or later, I'm guessing. Uh, Tony, you'll have to figure out when uh, we're going to be available. I'm due back on uh, Tuesday the um, 14th. Okay, so somewhere around there. But we need to get some time to put a show together, too. Yeah, but obviously um, it depends on uh, your work schedule as well, and uh, you won't have that until a little bit Mm -hmm. later in the time, will you? Nope. But we'll try for that week or the week after. Okay. Visit our website at https colon slash slash distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe Telegram, uh, the Mintcast Discord, and at our Telegram and MeWe groups. Please contact us at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com if you have any comments or suggestions. Before we go... We would also like to thank all those who make this project possible, starting with the Mintcast podcast team for allowing us to use their Mumble server, archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program, Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show, Joshua Lowe for work on our logo, all those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. 
Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stallman for the GNU toolkit, and for all those who've worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord channel and lots of encouragement. We shall be back next episode. Thank all of you for listening. (laughs) 